As you read the entirety of Proverbs 8, ask yourself one question. Who in the world can this be describing? Turn real quick, keep your finger in Proverbs 8, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Now, as you're going there, we remember that Jesus speaks of Solomon, his great, 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 grandfather, something like 14 greats in there. And and he says, the queen of the south rose up to see Solomon, queen of Sheba. But assuredly, I say to you, one greater than Solomon is here. Jesus is the true and better Solomon. He is the source of wisdom. He lived out wisdom. And even though Solomon was the wisest man that ever lived pre-Jesus, if you know anything about Solomon's life, he lived a lot of things that were in disobedience to the Lord and he walked in a lot of folly. Jesus is the source of wisdom, has all the wisdom of Solomon and has lived it out perfectly. He's greater than Solomon, okay? First um, Corinthians one twenty four says that Christ, look at the last half of the verse. Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. So when we're in Proverbs and the theme is wisdom, especially wisdom for young men, although there's application here for everybody, who is the source of wisdom? Who is the one we look to and worship and honor for wisdom? It's Christ, the wisdom of God. And then just go six verses from there to verse 30, 1 Corinthians 1, 30. But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So if you need wisdom, you need Jesus. And if you get Jesus, you'll get wisdom. I love that. Jesus became for us wisdom. And so if you're going through anything in your life where you know you need uh, just God's know-how, you need God's, um, I mean, what's a synonym for wisdom? It's not knowledge. Knowledge is the application of wisdom. You need, you need his sage counsel. You need his advice, all right? Uh, wisdom is, is uh, I guess it would be an adjective of wisdom would be that it's pure and peaceable and gentle and it's willing to yield and it brings about fruits of righteousness to all who walk in it. And so Jesus is the wisdom of God Jesus became for us the wisdom from God. And so when we talk about wisdom, we're talking about Jesus, okay? If you're not walking in wisdom, hold on, pause before I get there. Look at your life. What is something in your life that has not been wise? That's not wise. Um, I was thinking about Perry Cross this morning. And Perry's on our building committee. Uh, he's a, a former contractor and he's helped with so much of like the, the hammer and nails and mortar type stuff that we've done down at the church. And, you know, one issue with our church when we bought it was when nobody was in the church, if you played a piano downstairs, 
you could hear it up in the sanctuary, like, like you're in the room with it. And we were really worried, like, this sound is just going to go right up into the sanctuary. And so when we were looking at remodeling the church or renovating the church, we were going to, we were looking at investing some serious coin in big old insulation panels. And, uh, and by the time we got to tearing out the nursery downstairs and the children's ministry classes, we were, we were down to like a time crunch where it had to be done by the time service started up in that. And some of us that were on the sheetrocking crew just started nailing rock um, down there. And, and then once we got the rock up, we were like, we didn't insulate this. And so we went and we, we talked to Perry and, you know, there were some different conversations and like, Perry, we haven't insulated this. And, you know, uh, we were talking about, well, we could shove one of those hoses in there and like spray insulate. And I'm, and I just loved what Perry said was he goes, uh, cause we were like, I think we're just going to go for it. We're just going to throw the, sh- the rock up and see how it works. And I just, I really respect what Perry said. He goes, I think that's a mistake. <laughs> and I was like, hey, I guess it's all we can do right now. And so we just went for it. <laughs> and uh, it might not have been wisdom, but it's worked out so far. Um, it, you know, there's, there's times that we've got 70 kids screaming worship to Jesus downstairs and we barely hear it. Occasionally there's something from the TV that thumps us, but there's, it's, it's pretty decent. But I just love like Perry, I just remember his like wise, like sage counsel of that's a mistake, you know, (laughs) and I'm like, okay, you know, noted, duly noted, you know, but is there something in your life right now that like the Lord would be saying to you? And if there was a wise counselor that you'd let into your life, they'd go, it's a mistake. Like what you're doing right now and how you're living and the, just the blatant, like, way you're living, you know, it's a mistake. Well, if you're living that way and not walking in wisdom, it reveals an idol in your life that whatever it is that you're going for instead of Jesus is an idol. It's taking the place of wisdom. And by God's gentle grace, here we are. I mean, isn't this a place to be corrected by the Lord? Like, I want this type of correction. We're in a park, in the shade. We've just been fed by the Lord. The breeze is coming against us. And then he just says, hey, what you're doing, that's a mistake. Stop it. And Jesus says, it's better to fall on the rock and be broken, like, than to have the rock fall on you and grind you to powder. So maybe tonight the Lord's going to speak some correction to you. And just receive it from the Lord. Like, thank you for breaking me and humbling me and correcting me. That's good. You know, uh, I don't know if you went to the fair this week, but there was a guy riding around like the food area, the eating area on a unicycle. And he was dressed like an 80s, like fitness guy. And he had those reflective glasses of the 80s and a mullet, super buffing in shape, but totally from the 80s and just like glistening, sweaty neck and big giant teeth from the 80s you know like that's when they had him and he's riding around and he's juggling and he's talking like this hey you little kid would you like me to juggle four balls in my you know this that and the other and he's he's jumping uh with his unicycle a jump rope and he goes 
feels good, you know? And like everything was feels, you know, whenever he'd catch that last ball juggling, he'd go, feels good, you know? And so now Chris Cross, you guys met him on Sunday. Now Chris and I just all weekend, we were like, feels good, you know? And, uh, and so as the Lord just like corrects you and gives you a spanking tonight and like, a, hey, stop it. Just go, feels good, you know? Like, thanks, Lord, you know? We could take that. G. Campbell Morgan spoke about Proverbs 8 and said, there's nothing greater or grander in all of biblical literature as setting forth the beauty and grace of that wisdom which has the fear of Jehovah as its chief part. So just a a well-respected writer and preacher saying, don't neglect this. It may be a little mundane, you know, after coming out of the sexual immorality passages of five through seven, it might be like, what is this stuff, you know? But if it would set for us a fear for the Lord in our heart, a good healthy reverence, then it's good and it's beautiful. So let's get into it. We're going to see in chapter eight that we want to marry wisdom. We want to marry wisdom. We've got three weddings this month coming up just weddings just stacked here and uh you know weddings they're beautiful they're great and they're a time of celebration and we want to in our proverbs in the park have marriages all month long where we are marrying ourselves to wisdom verses 1 through 11 we're gonna marry wisdom because in wisdom jesus tells us the truth about reality He loves us enough to tell us the truth. Look at verse one. You're like, that was the longest introduction I've ever heard. (laughs) If you've been around Calvary long, that wasn't the longest introduction you've ever heard. But does not wisdom cry out and understanding lift up her voice? Interesting, remember, wisdom is personified here. She uh, becomes a person. And the reason uh, she's feminine is because in Hebrew, wisdom is a feminine noun, okay? So uh, she's personified as a, as a woman here, uh, crying out and lifting up her voice. She takes stand at the top of a high hill beside the way where the paths meet. She cries out by the gates at the entry of the city, at the entrance of the doors. And so what is the setting of wisdom's declaration the setting is during the daylight hours in public for all to be uh, for all to hear and for all to see it's where a decision must be made now we remember from chapter seven in the soap opera of the immoral woman and the simple man going to her house at night that unchaste wife moved about covertly at dusk and she spoke lies but wisdom moves around publicly openly and speaks authority and truth wisdom is for ordinary people we see here just anybody that would hear wisdom god wants to give wisdom you don't have to have a a degree on your wall you don't have to have some special education you don't have to be wealthy it's anyone that would hear the open declaration for wisdom. Look at verse four. To you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of men. O you simple ones, 
Anybody here ever feel simple? I'm a simple man. I like simple things. I'm really, really ready for that burger after all this. Like, give me that burger and I'll be a happy man. You know, uh, you know, just, oh, you simple ones or oh, you feeble ones it speaks of or just regular Joes and regular Jills here, right? No offense if your name's Jill. Okay. Uh, oh, the simple ones. Understand prudence uh, or wisdom. And you fools, be of an understanding heart. This is encouraging because a lot of times we think, I don't know if you've ever known anyone foolish, but sometimes you think, oh my goodness, this, this kid is without, there's no hope. Like, you know, but the hope is, hey, if you're foolish, the good news is wisdom's crying out to you. And if you're a simple one, the good news is there's total help, you know? Um, and so... He says, listen, foolish and simple. Verse six, I will speak of excellent things. And from the opening of my lips will come right things. For my mouth will speak truth. Wickedness is an abomination in my lips. You're not going to hear wickedness from me. All the words of my mouth are going to be righteousness. Nothing crooked or perverse is in them. They're all plain to him who understands and write to those who find knowledge. So just so encouraging that the more you come to the scripture to hear from wisdom, the more it's going to be applied into your heart and you will find that knowledge. Uh, Mark Twain, the famous American author said, it's not the parts of the Bible that I can't understand that scare me. It's the parts of the Bible that I can understand. And so the Lord, as we come to the Bible, he's going to give us understanding, not to scare us, but to put that fear of God in our heart. Notice that there seems to be a loud perseverance in woman wisdom as she cries out. She's like a persevering friend who just won't leave you alone and wants you to continue on the path. You guys met Chris this week on Sunday, Chris Cross. He's one of those friends that just, always calls me and just make sure that I'm, you know, just keeping the straight and narrow. He's a persevering friend and he warns of danger and, and uh, we all need those kinds of friends and woman wisdom is that friend to us. Verse 10, are you impressed with how fast we're just cruising through? I mean, amazing. Okay. <laughs> Receive my instruction and not silver and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than rubies, and all the things one may desire cannot be compared with her. Um, just kind of overheard and oversaw my kids watching Aladdin over the last day. You know, and they're in that big cave with all the gems and all the crowns and all the money. And the little monkey, uh, what's his name? Apu? Abu. Abu. I don't know. Do you know that movie? <laughs> Lindsay can quote every word of this movie. It's hilarious. Sing it too. Um, and uh, you know, like they get in there first and he's like, we got to find this. I just, I really don't remember Aladdin. I'm sorry. We got to find the such and such. And Abu sees a little red ruby and he's like, ah. you know, he's like, Abu, stay with me. Don't touch anything, you know? 
And so they start finding, what are they looking for? The lamp. The lamp. Go figure. Right? And you know, if you've seen the movie, you know the story. Abu ends up going back to that red ruby and getting lured to the ruby and, you know, and grab, that's, that's Abu noise, in case you're wondering. You know, grabs the ruby and it all goes to heck in a handbasket right then, you know. And that is so the temptation of this world. Think of all the things that distract us from the wisdom of God, the knowledge of God, the righteousness of God. And right here, wisdom says, hey, I want you to receive my instruction and not silver. You guys, I've got such a burden on my heart for people that miss out on fellowship and the instruction of the word and worship and prayer because of, you know, I've got compassion on people that have to work on Sundays. That's, you know, that happens. Um, But for people that are just, oh, every little thing that comes up in the world, I mean, it trumps the Lord's day. It trumps worship. It trumps fellowship. Sunday, Monday, Wednesday, whatever. Like they're not here because they have idols in their life. The red ruby's like, you know, only the ruby is athletics and the ruby is hunting and the ruby is gardening and trimming my cat's nails or whatever you like it is crazy how any little thing in the world will suck us away from the lord and i mean think of how pathetic some of these things are to where lady wisdom says okay i know whatever you're thinking but proverbs in the park is tonight you know and i want you to be there to receive wisdom rather than watch reruns of The Office or Parks and Recs or whatever, something like that, you know? And it's like, but no, The Office wins for so many every night, you know? And so just hear the Holy Spirit, you faithful, and then help lead the charge for the other folks in the church. Like, don't forsake the important spiritual things. Go after instruction, not silver. Go after knowledge rather than choice gold. And, and so these are like the best things, right? That we would want in the world. Like, oh, if I could have gold, mm. There was an old Saturday Night Live skit where uh, Kristen Wiig dressed up like a lady from the 90s, you know? And she was a, in a gold commercial. And she's like, mm, gold. Guaranteed to almost never go down in value, <laughs> you know? And it's like, ah, oh, gold. Guaranteed to have nothing better than, except for Jesus. He's better. That's what it's saying here. Silver, gold, rubies. And doesn't your mind go to the old hymn? I don't know how old it is. Maybe it's only from the 80s. But Lord, you are more precious than silver. Could someone call the Prineville PD and be like, hey, Bible study happening. Maybe just mute it for a minute. Okay. Lord, you are more costly than gold. Lord, you are more beautiful than diamonds. And nothing I desire compares to you. I think that's where they get this, uh, that hymn is from verse 11 here. And so nothing you desire can be compared with wisdom. Man, just, just getting a text is a person that I'm always, there's a cycle. You know, when the kids' athletics start during the year, I see them zero. They're gone just serving at the idol of kids' sports. And then 
by the time that's done, they're gone for a season until their marriage is gone to hell. And so I get the call, oh, my marriage and my blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and it's like, dude, it's because you're serving another God like 10 months of the year. Oh, yeah, totally. Oh, yeah, totally. Oh, yeah, God, Jesus, the Bible. And then, oh, too bad. Sports are back. Oh, like, I mean, I'm going to start. I'm not a betting man, but I'm going to bet. I can bet on some people and be like, this is the cycle that's going to happen. And it's just so tragic because it's not just sports. It's we all know, right? We all know what it is in our different. There's so many cultures represented here, like boating, you know, and ballooning. I don't know. <laughs> we do have a ballooning guy in town. Um, so nothing you desire can compare with wisdom. She and the beautiful thing is when you read Proverbs 8, she doesn't tolerate rivals. She's a jealous gal. And she's like, mm-mm, gold, mm-mm, rubies, mm-mm, silver, mm-mm, me, okay? We want to marry wisdom, verse 12, because Jesus produces right living in his followers. Verse 12, I, wisdom, dwell with prudence. Second time we see the word prudence in the chapter, and I find out knowledge and discretion. Um... Prudence is true wisdom that leads to action. Like that was very prudent, you say, of people that are walking out wisdom. Um, Verse 13, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. This is commonly repeated in Proverbs. What does it mean to fear God? Well, it means to hate evil. Pride and arrogance are in the evil way and the perverse mouth I hate. It was trap that said, and I put it in gold and I underlined it. So that means it's important. Okay, so listen. Trap said, God's people partake of the divine nature and so have God-like both sympathies and antipathies. They not only leave sin, but they loathe it and are in a deadly feud with it. So God's people have the Holy Spirit in them. We have God's sympathies and, I might be saying it wrong, antipathies, (laughs) you know? We pursue righteousness and we also loathe sin. In verse 14, we see that many gain power, stay in power, and exercise power by gaining and using godly wisdom. Let's check it out. Counsel is mine and sound wisdom I am understanding, I have strength. By me, kings reign and rulers decree justice. By me, princes rule and nobles, all the judges of the earth. Um, I have a book on my shelf at home by an Iraqi named Georges Sada. Anybody here know Georges Sada? Heard of Georges Sada? So Georges Sada was one of Saddam Hussein's top military generals and was on Saddam Hussein's panel. And he was like a fantastic pilot. Uh, He would uh, test the Russian MiGs that Iraq would get. And Georgia Asada was a Christian. And he just has an incredible testimony of getting saved. And he would go to Russia to fly MiGs and he would take a Bible with him into Russia 
and uh, and he would meet some people who would invite him over to dinner and they would come and drive and take him five hours to dinner with their family. And Georges would just say, oh yeah, so I was reading my Bible this morning. What did you just say? Yeah, I was reading my Bible this morning. Uh, and where is your Bible? Where is it right now? Where is it? Oh, it's back sitting by my, we have to go get it right now. Um, and so they go back, drive back, get the Bible, take it back, copy it and translate it into Russian so that the Russians could have some Bible. And uh, Georges Sada is a guy that just spoke on how there were WMDs in Iraq. He saw them, all this stuff, whatever. But uh, Georges Sada, what was interesting is in these big meetings with Saddam Hussein, uh, these famous meetings with the generals, Saddam would say, should we attack Israel? And all of the generals would say, let's attack them. Yes, absolutely. We will win. We will crush them with the might of a billion swords. Blah, 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 blah. Yes, do it. Yes, do it. Yes, do it. All these yes men. And then Saddam would say, silence. <laughs> Georges, what do you say? And Georges would say, no, we should not attack Israel. And here's why. And, and, and he, would, he was not a yes man. He would always speak truth. And Saddam respected him because of the wisdom which he spoke that Georges writes uh, came from a relationship with the Lord. And so it's just an, an incredible, I think it's called Saddam's Secrets by Georges Sada. And, uh, and he's just kind of a, an example here of um, counsel is mine, wisdom is mine, sound wisdom, understanding, strength. It's, it's all from the presence of Jesus. And then, of course, uh, to be kings. Man, how wonderful when kings reign with the wisdom from above. Um, in verses 17 through 21, we need to marry wisdom because Jesus rewards his followers. Verse 17, I love those who love me. There's a reward for following Jesus. A reciprocal love. Now, Deuteronomy tells us when God chose Israel, I love you because I love you just by God's grace. I love you because I love you because I love you because I'm just a God of love and I love you. But Proverbs tell us that when we love the Lord, he loves us back. I love you because I love you. I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently will find me from the Sermon on the Mount. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open. You seek me, you'll find me. Verse 18 through 21 Riches and honor are with me, enduring riches and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, yes, than fine gold, and my revenue is better than choice silver. I traverse the way of righteousness in the midst of the paths of justice, that I may cause those who love me to inherit wealth, that I may fill their treasuries. Now, it's a bit of a mystery and it's a bit of a paradox, but when wealth is sought after, it corrupts. But when wisdom is sought, it's rewarded with wealth many times, okay? Uh, not to get into some sort of a prosperity gospel, but the, one of the truths is, is that God is a God who is very benevolent to his people and provides for their needs. In verses 22 through 31, we see we should marry wisdom because Jesus brings his followers into harmony with God Harmony with others and harmony with the world. Verse 22. The Lord 
possessed me at the beginning of his way, before his works of old. Now, we're going to read 23 through 30, and then we'll hop back and kind of discuss this. I've been established from everlasting, from the beginning, before there was ever an earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no fountains abounding with water, before the mountains were settled, before the hills, I was brought forth. Well, as yet he had not made the earth or the fields or the primal dust of the world. When he prepared the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit so that the waters would not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him as a master craftsman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him. Okay, so this is an incredibly beautiful passage right here. Uh, wisdom personified as female in the proverb, but fulfilled in Jesus, the true and best and better wisdom. Jesus was before the foundation of the earth. Now, there's a lot of wonderful things that are spoken here of how Jesus created the world. It's really exciting because, you know, we read Genesis 1 and 2 and the creation account there. But here in Proverbs 8, there's a little bit more of just some of the poetry behind how the world and the sea and the land and all of those things were created. <clears throat> now, uh, Arius, who started the Arian heresy, um, which is modern day um, Jehovah's Witnesses or Gnosticism, uh, they deny the deity of Jesus and believe that Jesus was a created being. And they'll take a verse like this in a translated uh, format and they'll uh, translate it as birthed, that Jesus was birthed or produced. <clears throat> but the original language is that he was possessed. The Lord possessed me, not birthed, at the beginning of his way. Something also that you need to understand as you're, tra as you're interpreting the scripture is that when there's genres like poetry uh, and wisdom literature and idioms, you also you interpret with different tools and these are rules of literature. <clears throat> and so you can't necessarily take um, an analogy like a bit of Proverbs chapter 8 and then directly correlate it to everything concerning Jesus. After all, wisdom is personified as a female in this chapter, and Jesus was not female, okay? Uh, and so there's also some things with some of the literature here that may seem like problems, but when you get to the original language and consider the genre, they're not problems at all. And essentially what you get in the interpretation is that Jesus is not created. He was before the foundations of the earth, and when you when you take like a puzzle piece, like what you might find here, and you use the rest of the scripture to turn that puzzle piece, it clicks into those other puzzle pieces from the Bible to know who Jesus is and what he's done. And if he was created, if there was a time where there was no Jesus, and we know from the whole of Bible that Jesus is God, he created the world, 
and there never was when he wasn't. Okay? I like that from John chapter 1. There never was when he wasn't. Okay? <clears throat> and so here we have Jesus being a part of creation, creating. And how beautiful is verse 30? Jesus was beside the Father as a master craftsman. And master craftsman is the word architect, is what it speaks of. Jesus was the architect along with the Father and the Holy Spirit. As you read in the literature in Genesis, let us make man in our image. It's a Trinitarian plural statement. Um, and so in Revelation chapter 3, verse 14, we see that Jesus is the beginning of the creation of God. The beginning of the creation of God, or also means the originator of God's creation, is what it means in the original. The originator of God's creation. Doesn't mean that Jesus was created. It means that he's supreme over creation. Okay, can you turn in your Bible as we begin to wrap up? Colossians 1. I just want you to have this in your um, arsenal. I want you to have Revelation 314 in your arsenal. He's the beginning of the creation of God, which means that he's the originator of creation. Then I know I'm talking and throwing a ton of stuff at you right now. Colossians 1. Colossians 1. 15 through 17. You guys there? Okay, if you're not there, just listen. Listen to this. He is the image of the invisible God. Uh, image there is the word icon. Icon. All right, so he's the icon of the invisible God. He's what can be seen of the invisible. He's the firstborn over all creation. Now, the Jehovah's Witnesses, the Gnostics, the Arians, the cults would always use this verse to say, see, he's created. Jesus was created. He was born. He was the firstborn. Um, but what the original language speaks of is rank and value and worth. And Colossians' whole theme is that Jesus is preeminent, okay? So when it says he's the firstborn over all creation, it does not mean that he was created. It means he's the first ranked. And it speaks of being the firstborn son in rank within a, within a home, okay? Uh, so he's the first ranked over all creation. Now listen to this. For by Jesus, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him. So Jesus is the creator. He's the master craftsman, the architect, okay? Um, so all things were created through him. Now, interesting, it also says all things were created for him. All things were created for him. Why would all things be created for Jesus? For his glory, right? For his own glory, and then it goes on to say he is before all things. Even John the Baptist, who was older than his cousin Jesus, said, we studied it in John, that he came before me. But John was born first. John's the older cousin. Why would, why would John say that Jesus came before him and is greater than him? 
because he realizes that my cuz created me. Right? Okay. Um, he's before all things, and in him all things consist. Okay. You guys are like, all right, dude, 100 degrees out, late in the night. I mean, we sat through you naming every single person in the park, so, like, a little break, please. Okay, all right, all right. Verse 31. Rejoicing in his inhabited world, and my delight was with the sons of men. Now, therefore, listen to me, my children, for blessed are those who keep my ways. We want to marry wisdom because Jesus gives abundant and eternal life. That's in verses 32 through 36. Hear instruction. Oh, so we're back in Proverbs chapter 8, verse 32. Uh, actually, we're in 33 now. Hear instruction and be wise and do not disdain it. You guys remember that as kids or be, or with your children? Like, okay, I'm going to give some instruction time. And it's like, you know, it's like, hey, listen, and don't, don't hate these times. These are really good times. I always think about driving with my 80... Four-year-old grandpa, World War II veteran, my hero. I'm I'm so blessed to have. He was one of my best friends, Grandpa Con. We called him, and uh, and I got to live near him. His final. Well, I grew up with him, then moved away, and then got to live near him again later on in his life. And I just remember driving out to go feed our horses and saying, "Lay it on me, Grandpa. Lay it on me. Speak some wisdom. Speak some wisdom." And I remember like forgetting right away what he said <laughs> to this day i'm like what did he say while we were driving some things were like never go to bed angry with your wife you know and those sorts of things you know and, but i just know one day the lord's gonna bring it up when i need to hear it like oh yeah gramps thanks okay but listen and don't hate those times where wisdom abby are you you listen to your mom you, okay good all right russell yeah yeah yeah, yeah. michael yeah, okay uh, you never know when i'm gonna call on you all right Blessed is the man who listens to me, 34, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the posts of my doors, for whoever finds me finds life. That kid's going to be a preacher one day. You hear Evan yelling from his diaphragm like, yeah, all right, I'm going to start working with that kid. Okay, final verse here. Final verse. And it's, it's just a gem of a closer. In fact, homeschooling dad and learning literature with my daughter, I'm learning it before I teach it. Uh, the topic and the clencher. The literature should start with the topic, all right? And then the clencher at the very end is uh, kind of a review of the topic, but then it also kind of drives that point home. So what's the clencher here for us? Whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. It's part of God's sovereign election, calling on people's life that would pull them out of darkness into his marvelous light and, and open up their mind that they could comprehend who he is. It's a favor from the Lord that grants repentance. And, and, and in my theology, my understanding is, well, Lord, Pour out favor on everyone in Prineville. We want to see these people come to know you and have your favor. 
But verse 36, the antithesis, he who sins against me wrongs his own soul. Do you hear that, kids? Last, this is the last sentence of the whole thing tonight. You sin against the Lord, you're sinning and you're hurting your own soul. Just kind of adds to the depth of harm that sin works towards people. And all those who hate me love death. Any of you parents ever tell your children, like, don't do this. If you do it again, you're going to have consequences. AKA spankings. Okay. My house is like, if you do this again, there will be consequences. Okay. And then they like go right into it and go do it. And have you ever had that conversation where you're like, you must have wanted a spanking. You must love spankings. You really wanted one. It's like, well, I told you that if you did this, you'd get this. And then, so you must have wanted this. And you're like, that sounds like a little bit of provoking them to wrath. And it's like, maybe. You remember that row at all? No? Okay. You're like, this morning? Okay. And so what the proverb is saying here is, oh, you must love death. No, I don't. Why would you say that? Well, because I've been trying to tell you that if you want life to love me and you hate me, so you must want to die, you know? And so it's kind of just this like reverse psychology on the reader here. Okay, that's it. We're done with Proverbs chapter eight. Would you guys believe me if I told you that I studied for chapter nine to do it tonight? <laughs> we could do it, right? You, nah, yeah. Jay? No, you could do it. Okay, no. And Linz comes down while I'm wrapping up my study and she's like, why are you even doing that? It's not going to happen. <laughs> she's just always right. Oh, and now apparently I skipped a whole set of verses. What did I skip? Yep. I don't think you missed much there. <laughs> you guys should come to the marriage class tomorrow night. It's the last one. I'm good. Maybe you'll pay attention this time too. Okay, that's what I'm saying. Oh, just kidding. What did I miss? I'm not. Okay, we'll talk about it on the way home. All right, you guys, why don't we stand together and we'll just close in uh, prayer. Joanne, seriously? Mark, seriously? You need some help. It's been a long day. Lord, you are more precious than silver. Lord, you are more costly and go Lord you are more beautiful than diamonds and nothing I desire compares with you Amen
Love you guys. Have a great evening. I don't know if you guys know. You see that guy in the white shirt over there, John? Yeah. That guy looks like he's been doing P90X all day. Like, <laughs> like you know, professional athlete. He was in a major car accident, something like 15 years ago, just plowed. And he is always in agony. So if you ever see John lifting and huffing and pulling and think like run at him and help him because he looks like, you know, pro athlete and he probably is still, but he, uh, he has a broken body that, um, I'm no, I hope he doesn't mind me sharing this, but we don't tell him this is secret. Okay. So let's always just look to ways that we can help John as he pours out so much for us on these Wednesday nights. So anyways, uh, and also don't forget to grab tortillas and sausages and giant jars of pickles. Um, no. And some extra burger patties. Bur extra burger patties over there. So love you guys. Thanks for being at Proverbs in the Park tonight. <laughs>